listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. This podcast is sponsored by GoToMeeting.com. Part of business, we have to go to meetings, but it can be a real waste of time and money. And we know time is money. If you're driving two hours for a one-hour meeting or flying to headquarters for a half-day training session, you could be saving time and money by meeting online with GoToMeeting. You can invite people to meet you online. They can see your computer screen on their monitor. You can meet as long as you want, as often as you need, for one flat rate. You can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days with no credit card required by visiting GoToMeeting.com and typing in the promo code PODCAST. That's GoToMeeting.com and type in PODCAST. Try GoToMeeting free today with no credit card needed. My special guest this week is Bruce Elkin, author, speaker, and success coach. He's taught at the high school and university levels, and he's been working as a success coach, life coach, and business coach since the early 80s, helping people who want to integrate work and life into a simple and successful whole. His books include Simplicity and Success and Emotional Mastery. Bruce, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. Most people don't equate success with simplicity. What's the relationship between the two? Well, simplicity has to do with, for most people, has to do with focus. If you really think about true simplicity, you go to the opera or the dance or the sport and you see somebody doing very, very difficult things that they make them look simple. Uh-huh. It is, in a sense, simple to them and they have got to that simplicity and to the success through lots of hard work and practice. There's two kinds of simplicity that I talk about. One is the simplicity on this side of complexity. And that's the kind of, well, let's get rid of the clutter, let's solve our problems, let's get rid of what we don't like and don't want. And But what happens is when you achieve that kind of simplicity, you've got rid of all your problems, and you've got rid of all the things you don't like and don't want, you don't have what you do want. Right. So suddenly you have a new problem. But when you begin to focus on what you truly do want, and you begin to simplify your life so that you can focus on that and do it at a high level, you're much more likely to produce success. Sounds like you're talking about the law of attraction. Well, not really, no. I'm talking about partly partly that that concept, but it, it's beyond that. And it, it has really more like the law of uh, practice and persistence. Okay. I, I do meet a lot of people who come to me quite frustrated because they have been tr- trying to practice the law of attraction, and they, I think they misunderstand it, because they kind of think that if they if they can just visualize what they want, it will manifest in their life, and, it, and the power of intention will bring things to them. Without doing anything. Without doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I try to point out to them that it, it's really important to have high levels of passion, and also it's important to have high levels of practice and persistence. And it's in the latter two that you practice the persistence translates passion into results. And along the way, if you have all those things, naturally you're going to... There's an old, a story about Van Hogan and just won a tournament. He's a, a golfer from the 30s. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer is just saying, you know, Ben, what do you attribute your success to? And he says, well, just luck, I guess. 
And he says, but you, you practice more than any pro on the tour. He says, yeah, it's funny. He says, the more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a believer in the law of practice. And the more you practice, the more likely you are to, to attract things to yourself. There's a debate going on whether it's really practice makes perfect or whether it's perfect practice makes perfect. What do you think? Well, I believe the Buddhist saying that perfection is 85%. Okay. And also in sports, so I use a lot of sports analogies because the sports people have done the, the most scientific exploration into results of success. They find, for example, with 100-meter sprinters, both men and women, that if those people try to run at 100%, if they try to run perfectly, 100%, they tend to tighten up and their times go down. But if they're asked to run at 85 to 90% of their capacity, they relax and their times go up. So I think practice makes better if you practice well, and, and good enough is good enough. The whole concept of perfect is kind of an ideal that we impose on ourselves, and the fact that we're, we can't achieve that perfection, whether through perfect practice or luck or whatever, uh, often upsets people. So the, I think that the concept of good enough is an excellent concept. It arose out of the psychology of mothering, where they found that mothers who were trying to be perfect mothers were damaging their children and damaging themselves, and they found that women could embrace the concept of good enough mothering, they actually mother their children better. So I'm not a big fan of the absolute like perfect. If perfection is 85%, then what's beyond perfection? What do we call 100%? I, I, would, I would say, you know, that I don't know, I don't know that we can get there. It's, it's like uh, Robert Browning said, ah, but a man's feet should defeat his grasp for what's the heaven for. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, Gretzky is not the perfect hockey player. George O'Keefe wasn't the perfect painter. Tony Robbins is not the perfect motivator. They're, they're really in human affairs. There is no such thing as perfect. These are ideals. They're ideas that we then impose on, on ourselves. It can actually get in the way of success because when people take an idea like uh, perfect, they, and they begin to impose it on themselves, they get into the to the notion of sh- they start shooting on themselves. Mm-hmm. I should be perfect. And whenever they're not perfect, by their definition, they feel conflict. And then instead of working on results and practicing, they head off uh, to try to find some way to distract themselves from the conflict or to get relief from the conflict. So I, I think, you know, and again, again you know, success, success is a... Uh, very personal thing that you can measure yourself against conventional notions of success, but if you don't have a higher notion of success that comes from from yourself, then you're just going to get you know bound up in comparison and trying to uh, match what other people are doing. Not because you really, really, truly care about it. Not because you're passionate about it. Simply because that's your only definition. And so many people I see don't have their own definition of success. They've, they've taken on somebody else's definition. Parents, uh, the cultures, the motivational gurus, all kinds of people. I see it myself even taking on my definition of success. But really what you need to do is craft your own definition of success and then try to live up to it. What is your definition of success? 85%. <laughs> so for me, for me, success being uh, a combination of being able to create the kind and quality of life and work that I truly want, and to be able to do that in a way in which I'm 
learning and growing, giving what I can to the world and to other people. And then, you know, I have a specific result that I'm trying to create. Like, I wrote a couple of books. I'd like to write some more books, create a number of businesses. I'd like to sustain the current business that I have. I'd like to stretch in some areas, and I'd like to do more or retreat work, bringing people in midlife uh, to beautiful places in the world to reflect and renew themselves and, and get themselves ready for the next half or the next third of life. Those are the kinds of things that, if I could do those kinds of things and do them with grace and elegance and joy, that for me would be success. So you're saying that combined with the practice, we need to have persistence and passion. Now, Persistence is where a lot of people fall short. They might start off with the passion and they just don't follow through when the going gets tough. What's the secret to remaining persistent so we can get the results that we do want? Oh, there's a number of things. Um, Being able to, probably the most important thing is to be able to hold your passion uh, in dynamic tension with a clear and emotionally neutral description of your current reality. So if you want to be a success at whatever your field is, whatever you choose to do, whether it be the art or sport or money management or whatever, if you want to be successful and you get really clear about what that success would look like for you, you you have success criteria that are specified, you have a clear picture of what your goals would look like if you achieve them. Mm Uh, you know, that uh, passionate and compelling, that's part of the process. You also have to be able to ground that, those goals and the, those results and those uh, passion in um, an accurate and objective description of current reality, i.e. where you currently are. Now, one of the things that causes people to stop persisting is we tend to have an adversarial relationship with current reality. We tend to judge our reality rather than describe it. So people will often say to me, oh, I want to do this, but... And then they start listing all the reasons why they can't do it. And the reasons are often judgments they've made. Well, I don't have enough money. I, I don't have enough courage. I don't have what it takes. And, and, and these are these are judgments. These are not descriptions. I, I can remember working with a woman who wanted to start a small business. And she said, yes, but I have no money. And I said, okay, well, let's take a look at that statement. I have no money. Hmm. What does that mean? She said, well, it means I have no money. And I said, well, okay, so you have no savings? Well, I have a little in savings. Okay, how much do you have in savings? Well, I have $11,000. <laughs> okay, that's good. And did you have any RSPs or 501k fund in the States? And she said, yes, I have $50,000 in the 501k fund. Can you borrow against that? Can you get a line of credit against that? Yes. And then do you have any other money? Well, I have a little fund that I keep. that I call it my MAD fund? That's $1,200. So, essentially, you have $62,000. <laughs> That's what you mean by no money. She said, I can't believe I said that. I don't know why. But I, it's a habit. My dear old mother, may she rest in peace, she was very much the same way. She she would tell herself she didn't have any money, and she, and she died quite wealthy. We just get this habit of, of judging current reality rather than looking accurately at it, saying this is exactly how it is. And if you can look at current reality... There's sort of two frameworks that people operate in. One I call the Yabat framework. <laughs> and the Yabat framework has sort of built into it the negation of motivation. The motivation comes from the yeah. Yeah, I want to succeed. And then you say, but, I don't know how, da 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 da. And immediately that but, it's going to but the but out. <laughs> the 
motivation. And what I try to help people do is look at the operate in the yes and framework, which is, yes, I want to succeed, and I, I don't know how to do it yet. And that almost automatically leads, so what should I do? How, how can I learn how to do it? So you have this vision of what I want and this accurate, objective, emotionally neutral description of current reality, and that tends to lead to action. And it's holding the, the vision and the current reality together, for, for many people, it is quite scary, but with a little bit of practice, you can realize that 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 gap between what you really, really want and where you currently are, wherever it is, doesn't have to be scary, because that gap creates a very useful, creative tension that you can tap into, and then you can resolve that tension like it was a big rubber band stretched between your vision and your current reality. If you take action that honors your current reality and supports your vision, the tension resolves in the direction of your dream. So your actions move in the, in the direction of your dream. This is sort of a long-winded answer to you know, how do we persist. When we tap into that creative tension, we are clear about our vision, and we are clear and emotionally neutral about current reality, and then we honor our current reality and support our vision in our actions. And that when you do that, you greatly up your chances of, of being successful. And it's way simpler. <laughs> way simpler because you don't have all this emotional tension, uh, anxiety and stress and all this uh, kind of stuff. You don't have all of that weighing you down because you've, you've resolved that by being objective about current reality. So you're not describing your problems, you're just describing the current state of things. Why is it that we so often approach life with the problem-solving approach or by judging reality rather than focusing on describing it as it is and focusing on creating what we want a positive way? Well, there's a couple of... Uh, partly, I think, it's just a habit. And um, my mentor, a fellow named Robert Fritz from the United States, author of The Path of Least Resistance book, he once wrote a book for teenagers called A Short Course, Creating What You Always Wanted to Create couldn't before because nobody ever told you how because they didn't know how either. <laughs> and I think that kind of sums it up is that we're sort of brought up in a problem-solving culture where problem-solving is glorified. But most of the challenges, the human challenges, the business challenges, the athletic challenges we face are not problems. And they don't lend themselves to simple solutions or simplistic solutions. They are opportunities to create what matters. and But no one has ever really helped us get clear about what matters. Partly that's because our education system is an industrial-based educational system. It's a big factory system designed to turn out product for the corporate world. And it always has been. It's not all that old. Our, our public education system is, uh, you know, 100 years old. And it, it arose out of the industrial world. And it, in many ways, is out of date. That's why there's so much more money spent in North America on self-education than there is on public education, because people people need to transcend some of the lessons they learned in public school. Getting clear on what really matters and getting clear on a vision for our future are also pretty big stumbling blocks for a lot of people. They have trouble even knowing what they want and what really matters. So what are some techniques that they can actually do that effectively? Well, yeah, it is. It is very difficult to know what you really want. One of the reasons is we tend to go through life doing what we 
want second or third or tenth most because we're afraid to reach for the challenge of what we most want. We think, well, oftentimes people say, well, what if I fail at what I most want? And they don't answer that question consciously. So what I do is I just ask them, I say, okay, well, what if? What if you wanted to be a million-dollar stockbroker and you failed at it? Gave it a year and you didn't do very well. What would you do? Oh, I guess I'd ask for some help and I'd take some more courses and I'd, I'd try again. Yeah, but oftentimes when we're thinking about these things, we don't answer that question out loud. So we, what we do is we answer it unconsciously. When we say things like, oh, that would be the end of me. That would be terrible. I'd be doomed. I couldn't stand that. And we have all this funny little self-talk, this monkey mind chatter going on in our brain. The voice of judgment, one person calls it. And so it's kind of unconscious, but, but it's having this major effect on our, on our neurophysiology and, and on our emotions. So it, it kind of prevents us from going forward. So what I do with folks that I'm working with is I teach them how to get clear about what they really want by working on something as trivial sounding as a neat, tidy, well-organized, and pleasant-to-be-in workspace or the most beautiful bedroom closet that I can imagine. And you can learn just about everything about the creative process from something like that. You have to have a clear vision of how you want that closet to be. You have to have a clear and accurate description of the current reality. And you have to break the action steps down into small action steps that are doable and then take them and fix the ones that don't, the actions that don't work and go through what I call the create and adjust, create and adjust process. And after a week or two, you've got the most beautiful bedroom closet that you can imagine. <laughs> So by starting with these smaller, more concrete kinds of creations, people can learn how to formulate or, or form a clear vision of something that they want. For free articles, book chapters, and even a coaching call, visit Bruce Alkin's website at brucealkin.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. <laughs>